What is good, family? Today's episode of It's Me Speaking To You is brought to you by my incredible sponsors, ChemicalFreeBody.com, some of the most incredible health and wellness supplements I've ever had the pleasure to have. ChemicalFreeBody.com, promo code, it's me. All the links are going to be here in the description of the video, as well as, man, as things are getting crazy in the streets with food, supply chains, etc. You need storable food as an insurance. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Prepare with itsme.com. That stuff is coming from My Patriot Supply, incredible storable food. And if you got a nice shiny dome like me, or if you're a lady that likes to shave her legs and all that good stuff, check out skullshaver.com, some of the smoothest, dopest shaving equipment for him and her. All the links for all the sponsors are going to be in the description of this video. Peace and so much love, and enjoy the show. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. All right, here we go. We are off, ladies and gentlemen, with another episode. Really, really stoked to talk to my man today. As I was looking back into the archives, brother, this is the third appearance he has made on the podcast. He's a friend. He's an author. He's a mentor. He's a mixed martial artist, a UFC vet, instructor, teacher, just an all-around really, really cool cat, man. I'm just anxious to pick his brain. We're going to be a little bit all over the place today. It's Jermaine Andre joining us today. What's up, my man? What's happening, Jeff? How you doing, man? I, you know, like I just said, I can't complain, and even if I do, no one wants to hear it because everyone, you know, like like you said, no one can do anything for you. That's right. Well, they, they, that's why I say if they listen to you, it's because they ain't gonna do anything for you, or you're gonna have to listen to their complaints. That could take all day. So yeah, you know, no no shortage of them. But you know, we do what we can, man, and we try to make the best out of every single day. And uh, what you been up to, man? It's been a minute since we talked, and I obviously follow you on the book and everything. But what, what how's life been treating you? It's uh fantastic, man. I mean, it's just you know I'm I'm, I'm you know I turned fifty this year in July. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think, I think I'm probably one of the only people in the world to ever say that. I've been really working out, trying to get to my. Now I don't want to get to the twenty year old bill, but probably my thirty year old bill. Uh, you know, working. I want to get my jump kicks back. You know, I'm really disappointed that I was never able to get any of my, you know, my fancy kicks on film. You know, because as you know, when I was fighting, cameras were just kind of coming around. You know, there were no cell phone cameras or anything like that. And, you know, you were lucky to have somebody filming your fight when you were there. That was even one of my stipulations when I fought. I said, I'm not fighting unless somebody's filming it because I'm not going to have the greatest knockout in the world. It'd just be a rumor. <laughs> yeah. But I was telling people, you know, that's why I got one of the best highlight videos from back in the day. I put it out there. Everybody's like, oh, my goodness. You know, but everything's been good. It's, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, planning to get try and get back, you know, my foot. I've got, you know, my, I've been a handicap on my left foot since I was 15. I've got pins and staples in. I fought my whole fight career on it. And it's, wow, it's, I didn't know that. Go out. Yeah, I know nobody knew it. I was hiding it. <laughs> wow. But so it's starting to go out a little bit. Um, I actually put some 20-pound uh, sandbags on my feet to work my kicks because I want my jump kicks back. You know, I said, man, there's no, you know, I used to be able to do a backflip. You can stand right there. I said, man, can you do a backflip off the picnic table or anything? And I said, I got to get that back, you know, and I got to be able to get this on film and, you know, I want to teach these jump spinning kicks I used to do. And so I'm just trying to drop that weight. It's been a hell of a venture, man. It's not as easy as when you're 20 and 30. Well, no, that's kind of – I was just talking to my oh. daughter about that, and she was talking about how the rock is so big, and we won't talk about how that happens at a certain age. But, yeah, just right, like right. The, the body changes, and uh, you can't do much of the things you used to do. I tell you what, man, when I first – I think – I think it was one of the first times I met you, and we talked about this on our other show. What was the uh, – I want to say Iron Ring. Was that right? Iron Ring, yeah. That's when, that's when um, they brought – it was on BET, and they brought – they were trying to mix the rappers yeah. with the, the fighters, and it was a great idea. They had Nelly. Nelly, well, it was me and Nelly made a team, Team St. Louis, 
Ludacris had a team. Yeah. T.I. had a team. Um, even Floyd Mayweather had a team. And, you know, we won. St. Louis won. Went there and beat everybody. <laughs> so they, they didn't like that. They didn't promote that much. But St. Louis, don't, most St. Louis people don't even know that we, that we won that show. It was all the promotion was just weak. They, I mean, we didn't get talked to after that show or anything. They did not like the St. Louis one. <laughs> I would definitely like to see that revamped, man, because that is a great concept, man. You know, music and mixed martial arts. I mean, it is, it is you know, kind of like, you know, back in the day, I don't know how much of a professional wrestling fan you were when, when them cats would first start rocking some music coming to the ring. Everybody like, ooh, we're yeah. on to something here, man. Yeah. But going back to well, that. I think, the problem, they, I think the problem they ran into with that show was the battle between the fighters and the rappers, not personally. But with the camera, of course, you know all your rappers and your, your entertainers are divas. They have to be, you know. They got they got a little bit in the camera. That was one of my problems. I wasn't I wasn't pushy enough. I mean, somebody told me once, I said, "Man, if you'd been a little bit more arrogant, man, you would have been a big superstar." And I said, "Well, that's not the samurai code. You're not supposed to be arrogant. You're supposed to let the other guy have the TV time and stuff like that." But the thing was, is while while the, the fighter was in the ring beating the crap out of somebody, they had the the camera on, you know, on Lil John, okay, in the corner, you know what I'm saying? But so he said, wait a minute, what's the who you want to see, the fighters or Lil John? But yeah. who do you want to see? Lil John, him over there, that's that's the that's the superstar, right? You know, Nelly, that's the superstar. Whatever he, I don't care if he's eating a piece of popcorn with some hot girls sitting next to him. I mean, do I want to see that? Or I want to see these guys fight. So I think that that kind of put a real big wedge in between it. And after that, I don't know what happened afterwards. I really, I really hate how they let it go because it was a really good concept. Yeah, and it was bringing it was bringing the fight game to the African American community. You know, the the truth of the black, the truth of the fact of the matter is, you know, when I was fighting, I had probably two or three black fans, and that was my parents, you know, <laughs> and my aunts and uncles and my cousins. They didn't know what that was back then. MMA wasn't popular then, so it was making it, it was bringing it into that world. You know, most African American was into into boxing. Right, you right. Know, and it was crossing over, so I hate that it just got dropped like that. You know, after one show, uh, one airing. Well, and it's you know, it's, it's it's the whole sport has exploded. So I would definitely love to see somebody revisit that concept. But what I was gonna say was, I think when I when we came, I was working back in the day when I used to work production. You had your highlight reel going at your school. I, don't, I think you moved schools, but anyway, it's the first time I ever saw somebody. And you, dust off my memory if if I'm wrong here, but you had a guy. I think he was in your guard. And you were the first one I ever saw somebody knock somebody out with a body shot while somebody was on top of you. I was so yeah, crazy. That's true. That was so yeah, crazy. Hit him, hit him, you hit him right in the solar plexus. And actually, it was a, there was a strategy to it, which that's why I always believe. You know, that's why I've never done steroids. And they try to get me on testosterone now saying, man, it'll heal your knees. Your left said, man, look, uh, that's not my thing. I'm not mad at you guys if you do it. But as a martial artist, I'm supposed to take what I have. This is what I was given by God, nature, whatever it is. And I just form it to the best I can do, you know. But that helps you to build strategy. The martial arts is not supposed to be, you know, a competition. Not supposed to be two guys just pissed off slugging at each other mm. up on, you know, super fuel. With both who's fueled up the most, who can go the longest. No, that's not it. The whole this supposed to be. I'm supposed to trick you, trap you, get to know mm. you, pick you out. I'm supposed to be able to defeat the bigger, stronger person. So when I teach this little old lady how to take this big bully out. He says, give me your wallet, old purse, old lady. I'm going to teach her. You say, yes, no problem, sir. Please, here, take it. And when he reaches for it, you crack him with an elbow, kick him in the groin or something. But So when I, when I was fighting him, not to get off on something. I, you know, I, no, that's I, right. I, that's I, right. But when I was fighting him, he, uh, they, you know, we couldn't hit to the face on the ground. So one of the things that does is when you go to the ground, that makes people get real relaxed, which I always thought that was so unfair. I said, well, if I'm not a jiu-jitsu guy, which, you know, I know jiu-jitsu, Russian, I was more of a Russian sambo guy, but I was a striker. 
I said, you're taking my weapons away when we're on the ground. He can do everything as a grappler. I can't, I can't hit. You know, so I never liked that rule. But one thing it does is it makes people relax when they go to the ground. Because what's the main thing you're afraid of on the ground? Getting your brains beat in or getting, you know, elbowed in the face or knee in the head. You know, not really catching an arm bar because you can tap out, you know, and then you figure you can fight your way out of it, you know. That grounded so, pound. Yeah, that grounded pound is scary as hell. Nobody wants to fight Mike Tyson, but everybody will fight Gracie. You know, oh, you got me, man. Okay, tap out. Oh, I'm cool. <laughs> Mike Tyson, you go going to the hospital if you're lucky, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so I know one thing. When you go to the ground, people <clears throat> calm down, relax. So I said, okay, when we get on this ground, I'm going to catch him tripping. I'm going to catch his breathing off. And so we went to the ground, mm-hmm. and he came to my guard, and I threw two punches at him from the bottom, <clears throat> hit him in his body. And so then he kind of threw two lazy punches at me, boom, boom, like, you know, those, uh, it was the hammer fist. Yeah. Which we hadn't, even de- we hadn't even really developed those yet. They hadn't even got popular yet. But he hit, him with, he hit me with a boom, boom. And then he relaxed, and he went, <gasps> and he breathed. <sighs> right when he let that out, I said, pow, hit him with a Bruce Lee three-inch punch from the ground. <laughs> right, no solar plexus, man. Yeah, man. And I didn't even know that he, was, that he was done. You know, I was always a guy, I fought, I said, I followed the samurai code of, it don't look good, it's not good. It's my job to go out here and look like a martial artist for my fans, even if it means losing. I can't go out here and be sloppy. i got to show this stuff that it works. This is my profession. I have to stick to my guns, even if it means I'm going to have to go down for it. So even when I, when I did that, I said, all right, I'm going to use this. I know it's supposed to be my body moves, you know, my shoulder movement, everything is. I don't have a base. I don't have my core. You know, i got to whip <laughs> this punch and hit, my, and hit my target perfectly. Just like cutting with a samurai sword, you got to cut straight line. Hmm. You know, you can't just hit this guy with a sword like it's a baseball bat. You got to cut straight. And so when I threw it, I said, ah, and I hit him right there. And I, I sat back, and I heard Ron Smith say, "He's done. He's done. Kick him off. Kick him off now." I didn't think he was done because he laid his head on me. I figured he was just relaxing, like everybody does on the ground. You know, in those days, it was real. It's not like that anymore. The ground fighters, whoo, they, them boys would yeah. get down oh, on yeah. the ground. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Whoo, they get down. I love it, man. You know, but back then we relaxed a lot because we were all just kind of developing this MMA thing. Yeah. And so I didn't yeah. know, but I always listened to my master. That's what I did no matter what. I followed his command. When he said that, I pushed out, I kicked out, and I stood up. And when that guy, he reached for me, you know, and he rolled over and was hurt like that. I said, oh, my goodness. I said, I got him. <laughs> you know, wow, I got him. I didn't even know I had got him. I did, you know, I followed and did what I was supposed to do, but I did not know I got him. And I said, and that's incredible that Ron Smith knew. Yeah. He knew it. So you can see, matter of fact, you can watch the video, and you'll see, as soon as I hit him, boom, and he puts his head, you can see Ron in the corner hitting the, hitting the ring saying, get off of him, push him away, he's done, he's done. So it was a, a really good connection between me and my crew. You know, yeah. that anytime yeah. I fought, I, that's what I did. I would listen to him. He'd tell me what to do. He'd see things I couldn't see. And even if I didn't believe it, I still did it. Yeah, I was just going to say that oftentimes is the value of a coach that sometimes they're seeing stuff that you don't see. But generally speaking, man, going back to I mean, our early conversations and so many conversations I've been so fortunate to have with just really sick Hall of Fame, world-beating martial artists from yourself, Pat Miller, Boss Root, and Randy Couture, the the the, the purest like yourself. Yeah, you said all, all names I love. Boy, yeah, boys. I mean, <laughs> it, I've, I've been so fortunate, man. Stephen Wonderboy, Tom, you name it. Even George Foreman talked to him about boxing, etc. I've always loved the fact that, you know, back in the day, you know, watching Bruce Lee movies is about, you know, I can do this and whoop somebody's butt. But from what I've gleaned from these conversations at learning martial arts and martial arts in general and martial arts, martial artistry is never an external battle necessarily. It's usually and oftentimes an internal battle that can be externalized. If you don't mind me, talk to a little bit about that because you really, really exemplify all of that. Well, it's, it's definitely always this. <clears throat> excuse me. 
people will ask me, you know, I'll say, what do you think is the best thing I gained from the martial arts? Because, you know, if you know my background, you know, I, I was getting the street fights when I was a kid, and, you know, I was getting attacked by grown men and have to defend myself from them, you know, I spent some time behind, you know, in the state club. So, of course, there were fights in there, you know, state so club. people first say, you know. And then, um, I, you know, I, I went to the fight game professional because so people would say, oh, self-defense or, you know, you protect yourself with it or, you know, man, it saved you while you were in the state club or, you know, uh, man, it, it gave you a career, a life. You know, and I say, nope. I say, out of all of that, you know what it is? It allowed me to get to know myself. Mm. I know mm. who I truly am. It allowed me to trust myself. It allowed me to see what my limits are. Allow me to be honest with myself. That's one of the greatest things you get from the martial arts. And then the greatest power isn't being able to defend yourself, but getting so powerful with it that you can defend others, mm. you know, and then even teaching others to defend themselves. <clears throat> but there's so much the martial arts saves me daily. You know, it saves me daily. And one of the main ways it saves me is I'm not allowed to, always, I got a, a saying I'm, I kind of made myself, and I say I can never cry more for myself than I can cry for somebody else. Hmm. That's unwarrior for me to do that because there are so many people out there who would love to trade positions with me. <laughs> you know, if I'm being a baby today because I didn't get this deal or you know I lost a dojo, you know I've been losing my dojos like crazy left and right because you know I opened too big or you know I don't you know I don't kick people out of my dojo. You know people break up and they can't afford to pay it. You know now okay don't you know don't worry about it. just keep going because I think I'm gonna make the money somewhere else. You know. I've never been on a money chase. Right. I've always been out there just to, to be a martial artist. You know, my thing is I can teach martial arts from a dumpster. I'm never going to not give training to this person because they when they need it, you know, which, of course, that's, that's bad business. It's bad business. It is. Know, until, but that it, speaks to how pure, is, yeah. you know, the purity, how you – I mean, I think that way about churches, not to get into that, but it's like – I, you know, if you if you're really teaching the word, the pure word, and I'm not particularly religious, but it's like you don't need these big right. mega churches. You should be able to speak the word if it's the truth from a shed. Anywhere. Yeah, that's right. Yep, on up in a park. You know, anywhere. And that per- and the person who's true to it, they they don't care. And that's but that was my weakness, because of course I had other people coming up to kids that I supposed to take care of. Right. You know, instructors, right. fighters, things like that. But me on my level, I wasn't on that money chase. You know, everybody else around me was. You know, I wasn't going to do this instead of that so I could make money. It was never like right, that. So right, right. That kind of threw me off. But so so I've had a lot of fallbacks, fallbacks, lost my big schools, losing my fighters, you know, them going other places, things like that. I was like, man, I, I'm the one who trained them. You know, but I understand they have to go somewhere else. You yeah. know, I even had to tell I said, man, y'all need to go to Vegas, man. You know, y'all need to go here, you know. But it ain't much happening in St. Louis right now. You know, you guys got to this net before you start getting too old. You know, but the martial arts, I was never allowed to feel sorry for myself. I'm never allowed to blame someone else. I'm never allowed to react emotionally. You know, excuse my language, I don't cuss, but I'm never allowed to be a bitch. Right. So no right. matter how sorry I feel for myself, how bad things are, I'm saying, Jermaine, you're a martial artist. Get up off your ass. Go train today. And when I train, man, it's, it's like a drug. I feel <laughs> so good. All those doors open up. You know, I just I see all of, oh, just look at what you're missing here. Look, and I got to the point where, you know, at age, I'm 49 now, and I'm so happy that I have actually mastered in my mind the ability to turn any kind of problem into a good thing. You know, and I'm, I've gotten so well at it that I've even made a practice called character coaching. People come to me with a problem, and I show them how to turn, what's how to find the good in that problem and how to convert it. But that's what the martial arts teaches you. Mm. You know, and the main thing we learned through martial art competition which was so important with, you know, when the UFC came out and, and MMA, and kickboxing, Muay Thai, even a jiu-jitsu tournament, grappling tournament, wrestling or anything like that, is learning how to, learning how to lose. Mm. Not to be happy about losing, 
You know, I tell people that all the time. I say, look, you be a good sportsman, take your ass whooping, you got your ass whooped, go out and say grip and grin. It ain't that little kid's just your fan's fault that you got beat. Go say hi to him and smile, give him a hug, do whatever you got to do, and then you go home and you cry into your bed because <laughs> you got your butt whipped. Don't get comfortable with losing. Right, But right. then after that, find out why you lost. Well, I, I always, you know, when I, you know, I, I was announcing fights for a while with with Pat and uh, Jens Pulver and just, again, talking to these a lot of martial arts and oh, people Jens. who – I love little, little devil, right, Jen? Little evil, man. That's my guy. Yeah, little man. evil, little evil, yeah. Man, yeah. but I mean, it, and this is a life philosophy. It's not just martial arts. It's no, there's no such thing as necessarily failures or mistakes. They're always opportunities to learn, like you just alluded That's to. That's right. That's right. And I want to ask. I mean, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I'm sorry. Let me add real quick. And the martial arts teaches you that quick. You know, especially mm-hmm. even if you can't compete, you have to spar. I always said I tell everybody, I say sparring is a small life. You're going to come in here and spar, and you're going to maybe kick a little butt. You're going to get arrogant, think you're the man, or think you're the girl, and then you're going to come in, and somebody's going to whoop your butt, and you're going to feel like crap. <laughs> you know, all that happens right there in this two minute, a two-minute round. You're going to get so tired, you're going to give up. But you're going to know that you have to push through, and then you're going to give up that time. Then you're going to feel horrible, but then you're going to come back. So mm. that's, that's what mm. life is, you know. Trial by fire, man. Yeah. Trial by yeah. fire. Well, I mean, I'm, I've always wondered, man, especially now with the explosion of, you know, I did a little bit of, you know, karate and judo as a kid and just hasn't, it's so huge now. And I know, like you said, you've been doing, you've been teaching people, kids, adults for so long, law enforcement, et cetera. On an average, if, if you could quantify it, why are people coming to learn martial arts from you? Is it that external, hey, I want to, I'm being bullied or I want to externalize it, it, or are these people coming, it's for the, for the internal lessons, if you will. It's, it's most of them, it's the internal lessons. Um, it's a, it's a rep- I've got a reputation and even where I only accept certain people, you know, um, I, people, when they come to me, I tell them, I'm not here to teach you how to beat people up. I'm actually teach you how to get so good. So you don't have to beat people up. Mm. You know, knowing mm. how to defend yourself is the ultimate freedom. The art of so fighting here, without fighting. That's right. It, you know, if it, the freedom, uh, you can't be free if you're afraid. And when you know how to defend yourself, you know, you can handle yourself against just about anybody out there. And if you can't, you can accept the fact that you took a defeat because you did everything you could. That's ultimate freedom. You're not afraid if something goes clink in the night in your house. You're locking the doors and locking them in. <laughs> Say, thanks for volunteering yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You picked the wrong house, bro. You picked the wrong house. Yeah, you're not house. afraid when you're driving down the street. When I'm walking down the street and I see a, 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 some gangster or something like that, and they're looking at me, I don't put my head down. I don't get offended. I say, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing, man? Hey, but you know, blah, 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 you know, hey, any of y'all got kids? You know, they just start a conversation with them. I yeah. teach that all the time. I say, sometimes, you know, like I teach women self-defense, they say, well, should you not look at people? I said, no, don't do that. I say, make contact. Hi, guys, how you doing? How's your moms doing? That's how their mothers are doing. Yeah. You know, sometimes these criminals are just people who just want to be spoken to, yeah. who want to be treated. You know, you may turn that guy's life around just by the way you treat him in that one second. So hmm. I'm out hmm. to teach people things like that, that, that fighting and winning the true way, the only true fight you win is a fight you don't fight. Because I always say this, nobody ever wins a street fight. Because I can, you can, people come up to me and I can pow, kick everybody, say, oh, Jermaine, whoop, oh, they butts and blah, blah. And then somebody pull a gun and shoot me in my spine. Yeah. I said that to you my know, daughter one time, and I'm, I was never a fighter, but I always said, and I could be wrong about this, but the moment, I mean, if you're defending yourself, that's one thing, one thing but the moment right. you lift your fist, lift your hand in anger, you've already lost the fight. You know what I mean? Yep. And I, that's, yep, you know, yeah. it's a, a, a kind of a more philosophical side of it, but I, I, I truly believe that, man. And, um, you know, when you, <laughs> I, I, you know, follow you on, on the book and everything, and um, you're very, very, very disciplined. 
You said you posted something the other day, like, "Hey, I'm up before all you guys, two thirty in the morning." I'm like, "Bro, two in the morning." <laughs> what are you? And you texted me at like three o'clock. Hey, Jeff, why are we, you know when are we gonna talk? And I was like, "Man, I'm still asleep, bro." But it, 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 it's again, it's it's a discipline. When the mo, everyone gets motivated, you know, like the new shoe crew on on New Year's. Hey, I got a membership to the gym and all that, and the, they're motivated. Yeah. They're motivated, but when that motivation goes away, enter the discipline. Speak to me a little bit about right. that because everyone's you know, pretty motivated sometimes, but oftentimes that motivation fades, 5 a.m. comes, that alarm clip, you're supposed to be in the gym, but you're like, ah, I can't do it, but the discipline has to enter in the scenario. Definitely. I, know, I, know, I love you asking me that. The, the main thing is, I tell people this, whenever you're training and working out, don't do it for expectations of what you're going to get from it. Mm. Do it as a debt. You know, I, my, my whole life is a debt to all the good that I've been awarded. You know, wow. I always teach, I teach, uh, you know, Rebecca, my woman, you know, because she's, of course, she's not a crazy martial artist like me, but she's kind of a crazy martial artist. But she sees me, you know, just going, and she's like, well, what the heck, man? You're just crazy. I said, well, when I work out, I feel I'm in, I'm trying to pay off a debt. I said, when you work out, you're still thinking of the reward. Well, I want to be able to throw this kick. I want my arms big. When I train, it's like, you owe this, Jermaine. You can't stop. You have to get it. You have to get it. So if they put their mind instead of, oh, I want this from this hmm. into a servitude, mode where it doesn't matter what i want i have to do this i'm going to then you then you're ultimate you're ultimate you don't even know it's like people you know you know i've never ever lifted weights because i wanted to look big or huge it was just because of the performance and because it was something i had to do and people will say to me man look at your your arms look at your and i'm like i, I don't know i don't look at them i don't look in the mirror and flex and say wow yeah. i look great and i tried it and i look and i don't see it now, I know I've got a muscular body. I know what I have. I know when I'm getting fat. You know, oh, what the, wow, what the hell is that? <laughs> you and see so, that part, but you yeah. <laughs> And it's usually because I can't run a mile like I used to. My mile then went to nine minutes and 30 seconds instead of, you know, seven minutes and 30 seconds. Mm. You know, but if they, if they were thinking in my, first of all, don't look for expectations. Make it a thing that you, that you have to do. And whenever you don't feel like doing it, that's the best time to do it because that is a serious challenge of your soul. Yeah. You now your soul is challenge. And it's saying, so now you got to get up and say, yeah, okay, I do not want to do this, but you know what? I'm not going to allow myself to back down the yeah. punk out. I want to, let's see how far I can make it. Let's see what I can do. And everybody I've taught that to, they come back and say, man, that was the best workout I ever had. I say, I know, bro, I'm telling you. It happens to me. I don't always want to get up and do it. You know, my, right. my foot hurts like hell when I'm running. I go to the track, and I'm up at 2 a.m., you know, sometimes. And I, as soon, I take three steps, and that pain hits. My knee shuts down. And I'm like, God, you know, it's frustrating. But I say, dude, you got no choice. You got to get these miles in, or you can crawl it. And so then I just limp it, limp it. Next thing you know, adrenaline kicks in. Next thing you know, I'm running. You and, know? and that, and and that like, goes man. to that, that goes to that internal struggle because, like you said, when you're done with it, you you push yourself and you test yourself. I, I, I'm, I'm, are you familiar with Jocko Willink? Uh, Jocko, yeah, I read his book Discipline Equals Freedom. Yes, I yes. Put, I compared his book next to my ice book, and we have so many similarities. I, I couldn't read. I mean, I couldn't believe when I was reading it. You know, matter of fact, I have a uh, uh, what do you call it? A uh, YouTube video I made, and not necessarily about him. But about what he said, somebody sent me something he said. They asked him, hey, what do you think about this best for self-defense? And I didn't know who he was back then. And he said, uh, he said, you know, guns. You know, guns is first, then boxing and jiu-jitsu. You know, so the guy said, what do you think about this? And I, so I, mean, I said, well, first of all, definitely not guns. First of all, what about kids? They got to defend themselves. They can't have guns. Mm. You know, they're the ones getting attacked and hurt more than anybody. You know, and, and then I said, uh, 
boxing's cool, I said, but I think jiu-jitsu is not for self-defense on the streets, and I think everybody's just pushing that and trying to make it, because uh, it's, it's a fad. I said, you're, you're on concrete, somebody's going to kick your head in. You know, so I said, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know if he's ever even had a fight in his life or what. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm talking about some Navy SEAL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, which, I, I say this all the time. People say, well, can you guys do I said, wait a minute, our profession is hand-to-hand. Their profession is guns. I hope they're not out there fist fighting with, you know, with right, uh, our right. enemies. You know, they're going to, I mean, that'd be crazy. Okay, you're going to go in there, you're going to punch this guy in the face and kick him in and give him a leg kick. Their training is not our training. So, yeah, I'll take any, uh, you know, well, not now with these injuries I have, but I'll take any uh, special forces guy on hand-to-hand, and I'll, and I'll put my money way on myself. So, anyway, but a lot of people did not like what I said, so they went on there just talking smack. And, and it was great. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm getting a lot of comments. Yeah. I need to keep, <laughs> keep stirring the pot a little bit. But he, he talked about yeah. what he called embracing the suck. And what you just mentioned, and yep. you know, he I yep. follow him on Twitter. He posts, I think he's up every day, four o'clock, you know, showing the calluses on his hands, like day after day after day of the same shot. And again, it's that discipline that kicks in. And he even talks about it too. He's like, I don't always want to get up and do this. And he's even had some posts yeah. like, I missed the workout today, but I still, I still got it in. But I mean, again, yeah. that's that's a. Well, that, and to add on to it, I like to I say this. I say, yeah, it's going to be. You got to struggle through it. Then you're going to endure through it. Then you're going to adapt to it. Then it's going to become an addiction. Yeah. Like with me, it's an addiction. I have to force myself not to work out. I mean, my, you know, my, my woman, had, Rebecca, would have to jump on me. Dude, you can't even walk. You got out of bed stumbling. Stop running. <laughs> you know, uh, are you over there, you know, she'll come, are you over there kicking that back? Quit throwing those kicks. You can't even stand on your leg. You know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I do need to give it probably a day off. She's like, a day? You need a weekend. So, but that, that's, a, that's a fantastic addiction to have. Yeah. I love working out, and you you know have to say that I have to stop myself. So they have to go through it and know that the first thing you gotta do, you gotta. I, I got this uh, the poem I made on my it's on our shirt. Uh, what's it? Suffer, struggle, endure, adapt, survive. So that's what they have to do. They have to so endure, adapt is the last one. I can't remember how this is a long mm-hmm. one, but it's like struggle. But no, survive, struggle, endure, and adapt. Win. That's what it says. Oh, this, oh, this is like a, a 15-year-old sweatshirt that we have for Andre Yeah, but, I mean, those kind of affirmations they, and mantras is what helps, you know, helps right. keep pushing you, moving you forward. And it, that's the whole thing. If you if you keep going and you put your – I say, people say, man, how do you stay in shape, this and that, you know, because, uh, you know, I got friends, a friend. They say, man, I'm, I'm, I watch you in the gym and you're struggling. You know, man, you need to take this testosterone. Look what it did for me. And I say, yeah, you know, but they say, well, how do you – you're not on anything? I say, my mind and body's in survival mode. They said, well, what do you mean? Well, survival mode, I have to work out like this just to survive. Just mm. like if I, I had to do this to eat, if I had to do this to drink. If I don't do this, I don't get the rewards. Sometimes I don't get the meals. Mm. I don't get water. I don't get this. I said, and if they right. put their minds in that mode, then their body will adapt to that. And then that's when, they, like I said, that's when they, then it becomes instinct. Like for me, it's, it's, I'm beyond addiction. It's instinct now to work out. Just second nature. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's happening. It is going to happen. <laughs> no, is <laughs> ends or buts if, about if, it. If, if I'm on an airplane for two days, you better have a big bathroom because I'm shadow boxing now. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Well, check it out, man. Like something you just mentioned, you know, seeing kids and, and trying to disable or disengage a situation before it pops off. I mean, we live in St. Louis, bro, and you, you know the yeah. drill here in St. Louis. I think, I don't know the number exactly, but. You know, at, at over Mother's Day weekend, I think it was like seven or eight people got shot. 
and oh you know goodness. you mentioned how many people you know you train and kids etc i'm gonna hit you with a bunch of stuff man it, not, not about a bunch but what the hell's going on with our kids today in your opinion and what is the role of so what how social media and how toxic it can oh, be goodness, you just said it oh, you said it yeah i mean and, and what you that plays it. into i know there's, there's a lot of sociological things going on with kids today you know broken family pops not in the house etc right. and and then you throw in social media and all this talk to us about what's going on with the kids today man because this man, I, I think the number one thing is you just said is broken families and i think that now you know people are getting they get married. i don't even want to talk about marriage and divorce because it's, it's a game i mean you have divorce parties come on that's that's not even something that's just wild wow you know what i'm saying it is what it is you know america that's what we do we do silly crap that's what makes us great you know we do what we want to do somebody come up with an idea it's the stupidest idea in the world we all love it. we pay for it <laughs> you know so that's how it goes but <laughs> the main thing is the split families you know um I, I personally think a kid needs a mom and a dad you know uh, i split me matter of fact my daughter she right now she's a corporate in the marine corps but yes. me and her mom split up when she was like two, and it, you know we had to because either I was gonna kill her when she was alive, or she's gonna kill me. I mean, kill her when she was awake, or she's gonna kill me when I was sleeping. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. So sometimes you have to get away from each other, and it just you know it just and it, mainly she was a good woman. It was I was fresh out of state club, I was on a mission to do what I was supposed to do, and she was not a samurai's girl. She was not built for that. She wanted me settled down. And yeah. I, was like, I, I have nothing. I'm no one. I can't settle down, and so it came in a deep conflict. But the main thing is these split families have to, the, the mom and the dad have to respect each other, and they have to put that kid first. Quit using the kid as a target tug of war rope. Mm, I'm watching it happen yes. so much, so much. They rip these kids apart because they're fighting with the dad or fighting with the mom. Yeah. You know, uh, my, my baby's mom, her name Brooke. I remember this one time she called me and she needed child support money from me. And I said, man, I don't have any money. And she said, oh. And she said, well, what, are you okay? I said, no, nah, I mean, my life's getting ready to get shut off. She said, well, how much do you owe? It was like it was like four hundred fifty dollars, something like that. The next day, express mail or whatever, four hundred fifty dollars check came from her Dang. to pay for my life. You know what I'm saying? But that's and that's that's so. And she's been since she, we and her broke up years ago. She's had she's been through two marriages. But you know who's still her friend is me. That's beautiful. And I'm gonna be her friend. And our daughter is she loves her. She loves me. And she never would let her the stepdads disrespect me anything like that my one rebecca knows her she knows she cannot disrespect her she cannot disrespect her and we and it's a it's a thing that we we, we are a family still you know and even i you know i remember my daughter asked me one time she said hey dad you know is it okay if i call my stepdad dad would that make you mad i said that makes me happy i'm hmm. glad you love him enough to want to call him that hell yeah, yeah. you call him that he's your dad too she said, no, I'm still going to call you that. I said, I know that. Oh, you're going to get a whooping. But, you know, you can say yes. I want, but that's what it is. People, are, they're so jealous and thinking of themselves. Yeah, That's man. what I wanted. I wanted my daughter to be feel safe with this guy, to feel happy, to love this guy. <clears throat> that's what it's about. Not about me. Well, well, he's, he's not your dad. Yeah. What I want to cause problems is she got to live with this dude. And, and now and he's over there like, I hate her dad. You know, people don't, they don't think things through, <clears throat> you know, for one. You know, so it, I think that's the main problem. If, if you're a split family, you are still a family. And whoever you hook up with has to respect that and honor that. And you, that kid's going to come up just, that kid will come up perfect. Yeah. The second thing you said was the number one problem is social media. These kids are into these phones. And these and people, look, I went to Normandy High School and I had to, uh, to do a class with, uh, and I think I told you about it, with the uh, kids who were about to get expelled. It was like their last chance. There's 30 of them in here. So I come in the room, 30 of them in here. And I can't believe what I see. They all have their phones. And so, I, what are you doing with these phones in there? They looked at me like I'm stupid. <laughs> we can have them. And the teacher was in there and the principal. 
And if I looked at the parents, I said, y'all let them have the phones? And they said, yeah, that's the school rules. I said, well, the school rules can kiss my son. <laughs> and I said, everybody bring the phones up here right now. They brought them phones up, and they had no problem turning them in. I put their names on it. And all them kids, that changed that whole classroom. Mm. Changed that whole mm. classroom. I had their attention. You know, of course, I had other things I had to do and other tricks. But these kids have access. And let me please say this. They have access to everything with those phones, pornography, Name it. murder mm-hmm. and stuff. They got access to all of that. These kids are 12 years old, 10 years old, and they seeing that, and that is getting in their brain. Yeah. And it is teaching mm-hmm. them that. And anybody who says video games don't teach, this don't teach, you don't believe in education. It's, it's education. If I, if, I, if I had a room, you know, just like I say, these kids, I put a, you know, a thing up the other day and asked if kids should be trained in lethal force to protect themselves against predators and kidnappers. And one guy went on and said, well, no, they, they can, you know, they, they might hurt their friend. I said, they don't need, I said, first of all, they can go get a kitchen knife and hurt their friend. They don't need uh, training and hand-to-hand for that. And then, uh, well, actually, Rebecca went on. She said, they learn that stuff from video games. And I thought about it. You know how I many guns I've learned about? I learned more about certain guns on video games and how to load them and clean them, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah. anything. So I think the uh, un, what do you call it? Unguided, misguided, not misguided, unguided social networks, unguided internet access where parents aren't talking to these kids. They're not countering what they're learning. Our kids are way freer through that. Oh, That's yeah. free information. They're learning things we don't know, so they look at us like we're idiots, which sometimes we are them, the things that they can learn on there. They well, and and again, going back to what you just mentioned, I mean, they're in their conditioning. I'm old now and stuff, but when I was a kid, like, oh, the music's tainting the kids and this and I'm like, oh, you guys are just old. You don't understand. Like, no, 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 no. There's right. a reason why. I, You know, I love hip-hop, man. And, it, like, back in the day, there was a reason why things like Tribe Called Quest weren't near as popular as Spice One and Gangster Rap Bullshit because they were conditioning these kids, and that's what we're seeing now, the complete right. desensitization of, of life. And that's why I was talking about, you know, kid people being shot. And, and, and oftentimes, and I won't speak to this as well, through social media, they're they're trying to chase this illusory life out there. Everyone's trying to be yeah. a freaking rapper. Yep. What, uh, what's her? I, I forget her name. Bad baby, bad. Cash me outside. The woman, just the girl, barely eighteen, oh. made fifty million dollars on OnlyFans because they're objective. You know what's the word? Objectifying each other. You know through sex and pornography, etc. Right. And then it just it, it it lends itself to again just the lack of value of of human beings. Everything is just externalized and sex or. You know, and, and I'm not to, not to ramble here, but I was recently, because I'm, again, I'm old, and I didn't know who, uh, it, like, drill rap is, whatever. It's just, they on these drill rap records, man, they talk about I ops. I don't know what that is either. It, I mean, I, it, they're just talking about ops and how to, you know, celebrate and killing each other. But you don't see certain political organizations picketing Sony records and Interscope records that are paying these kids millions of dollars to lament the fact that they're killing this person or this person. And, again, it's just conditioning for these kids, and it's just, it's... Right. It's it's the part of the culture which is so toxic. Well, and I would say this, and if I would be, I always do this. I always say, you know, if I'm, if I'm gonna be anybody's attorney, I could be the attorney for the other person. So let's say I'm defending Sony Records and all these people who are putting this out there, who are putting billions of dollars behind marketing and advertising yes. and making it acceptable and make they're, they're doing it. You can't beat that. You know, my speech on this on this podcast, kids, you can be is not going to compare to what they're going to do with those billions of dollars of advertising. Yes, exactly. So, but I say this. For them, it's, hey, what's the difference between this and a movie, a rated R movie? There, uh, Jason chops people up. True. Freddy Krueger goes yeah. to your dreams yeah. and, and rips your heart out. And yes. it. You know, so how are you going to sit here and say, this is just me. This is entertainment. This is not us. This is the parenting. 
you know, why, you know, depending, they're going to say, the parents need to be teaching these kids, and that's what I do. I have a, I teach the kids. I, I got all these videos. You know, of course, I'm in a, a video with Lil Wayne, and, you know, I bodyguard a lot of stars, you know, and, and I, I start showing them who I'm with, you know. And the first thing I say to them, I say, guys, these guys are actors. They are pretending. Mm. This is not real. Don't make it real in your life. Exactly. To be something. This is just like, say, would you go out? Everybody see Terminator? Yeah, I saw it. I said, okay, are you going to go and get an M60 and try and go up against the police department and shoot all of them and let them shoot you? No, you're okay. Yeah. That's the same thing. These guys are not big time drug dealers. Right. They're not running around smoking everybody. Then I said, most of them, they're college educated kids. They went to college and they got a degree, and this is the kind of music that they say, this sells better than this, so I'm going right. to do this instead of country. You know, so most of them would have been country singers, probably. Well, and it goes, it goes to, like you said, how they're allocating these funds. Like you said, with movies, you know, you got your Terminators, you got your Jasons, you got your horror stories, but you also, you know, your romantic comedies, you have options. Whereas it seems like right. with the music, they've weaponized it more. Granted, you still have classical music, but kids in the hood or, you know, kids in certain troubled areas and stuff, it's, it, they just glamorize it so much where it's like, you know, you know, kids walking around with the booty hanging out and pants hanging. I mean, it's like yeah, it's, no. it's oh, absolutely goodness. crazy how they've normalized yeah. such aberrant behavior and then wonder, like, hey, I, wh why is this happening? Like, because, well, you, like you said, man, the, the amount of money they're putting into it, it's not only just manufacturing and pumping this stuff out. In my opinion, man, there is a social engineering side of it, man, where they're, they're yeah. weaponizing this because they, they want to yeah. destroy these kids to destroy their lives. Yeah, well, if they can get rich with them doing it. Yeah. Exactly, okay. exactly. You know? They get rich with them doing, you know. Whatever. I mean, they get. You got sugar, you got music, you got pornography. You got that's how they figure out. You got cigarettes. Hey, why don't you guys attack the cigarette people? Well, we did attack them, you know, but it didn't go very well. Right. You know, so so it, it still it still is that. But I also like to say this. You know, I bodyguarded uh, Eight Ball and MJG, and it's so funny. I went to bodyguard. I didn't know who they were because that was back when I was fighting. I didn't watch TV or anything. And they took me into the room, and I walk in this room, and these two guys are sitting there eating. And they start asking me all these questions about security. You know, what do you do? And I was like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm about to go out there. Oh, right on, bro, right on. You know, I'm just kind of sitting there. They, like, ask me these questions. Well, of course, I'm not answering because I don't give all this information out. Well, then the manager finally comes in, and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is, you know, uh, A-Ball and MJG. I said, oh, man, you come out. I didn't know that was them. And so it's pretty funny. And then they go on stage, and they start playing their songs. And a couple of their songs are my favorite songs. Now, I listen to gangster rap when I work out. And, of course, we come from the era of real gangster rap. Right. You know, and it was a, it was, it was a, but it was just stories. It wasn't just, in a, in a, in a, in a, shoot your mama, in a, in a, I got money, in a, in a, cash out, cash out. They tell a story, and then maybe somebody got shot in the story. Right. Or they had to shoot to protect themselves, you know. So yes. they start singing their one song, uh, Don't Drama. And I'm like, oh, that's the cut. That's the hit. And so they sing it, and they rock it and rock it. And then MJG says at the end of the song, hey, everybody, I just want to remind you all, we're having fun here. This is some good songs. This is, this is a pretend thing here. So don't y'all be out there hurting each other, killing each other. I want everybody to make it home tonight. We are not gangsters. You are not gangsters. We're good people. And when I see he did that, I said, man, I'll bodyguard you forever. You, you, let, you call me, and I got y'all back anytime. But I think the, the performers – need to be responsible yes. and quit just saying F it, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Just like, just like me as an MMA fighter. I don't tell kids, you know, when I go in there, and we, in UFC, we will beat each other's brains out. That, that's two men at a, at a certain set that have made an agreement, who are trained in a certain way. We got a referee who is not going to allow us to kill each other. We have rules that make it right, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not going to let these kids, yeah, start fighting in the back of McDonald's. Right. And I say, man, I don't care. I'm getting rich. That, that ain't my problem. That's the, so I think the performers 
definitely could take a, they could take a stance like that and still make their money. Well, and like you said, going back to the parents, man, into the parents, you know, because a lot of kids, they're so impressionable. They don't have that level of discernment to go to the necessarily go to the concert, go to the party, hear all of that and then go back to the communities. And they all just double down on the same stuff they heard. Oh, you hear the new album of this and that. And so the real right. message of, no, nah, man, this isn't real, oftentimes is missed by these cats. And I, again, I just I just hate to see the weaponization and the culture. It's for me, it's like the force, dude. The force. You could either be a Jedi, you could be a Sith. <laughs> yeah. Hip hop yeah. in itself, the culture is not bad, but how they've weaponized it to turn it almost against itself and again to profit off right. of off the, the, the toxicity and the decimation of of a, of a people and of a culture, man. It, it really really bothers me. But I did, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to bring up because you do and you've been doing uh, bodyguarding and uh, things like that and security for, you know, elite cats for, for a hot minute. I wanted to ask you, you know, a couple different instances, but, you know, the 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 Astro World Travis Scott thing where all those people got killed and uh, where those kids got killed. And then even something like recently, the Dave Chappelle incident, which I heard that security company was the same company. What what did you see if you're familiar with it and you you saw kind of the breakdown on it? I'm not. I'm not familiar with it, either one of those. Okay. You have, you have to forgive me. I don't. Well, know, no, that's all right. That's, hey, bro, that, that, that's all right. But the they, Astro. They, they wore me out with coronavirus. Yeah. You know <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've had enough. I said, I'm out. Bye. I knew I shouldn't have been watching TV anymore. Well, it just seems like there was a, a lapse in security to the point where at the Astro World concert, you know, kids was getting trampled. And in the Dave Chappelle, somebody got up on stage. I mean, and at the Hollywood Bowl, someplace that you thought would have been secure as hell, especially the A-level stars that were there. This guy gets yeah. up there and, you know, spear takes down, tries to take down. I got to give it to Dave Chappelle, man. He had a nice little sprawl going on. He had a nice little, you know, takedown defense. But anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that that's what happened. I was I gonna. Know, I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, just check. I was gonna ask you about what holes in security you might have saw, but but that's all right. I mean, if you're not hit with it, that's that's quite right. that's, that's good on you. Um, something else I well, wanted. I would definitely. I mean, yeah. if if somebody got up on stage, I mean, it should have been first of all, it should be somebody backstage that always stays closer to Dave Chappelle than anybody else can get to. It was. You know, I mean, Hollywood Bowl. It was a huge, huge stage, and he was kind of out. There. I thought there would have been more security along, you know, the the front of the stage because that's where Dave right. was standing. And the guy who jumped up on there, he had maybe ten, twenty feet to run at him. He didn't. I, I just, I just thought there was a pretty, pretty nasty lapse in security for that guy to be allowed to get so close to Dave and do what he did. And he had a replica gun, bro. That when you pull oh. the trigger, the blade flips out to the barrel. So Dave got lucky. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, well, I, could, that, times, I, I say this: when it comes to security, too, you never know. I'm really careful when I when I do security. I have to I use my own people. I rotate my people a lot because you don't know who's getting paid to to leave holes. You know, when, especially when something's going on, I always assume the total worst that yes, can happen. Yes. The main thing I do is I train who I'm who I'm protecting. I say, you know who the last line of security is? I say, who is that? You? I say, no, you. Yeah. So because if somebody get me, the, the whole idea is for you to survive, not me. You're the client. If, I, if you get killed and I survive, I fail. <laughs> you right. know, you're supposed to survive, even if even if the team gets taken out. So you have to be ready. So I always make sure that they have some kind of secret weapon or anything like that on it that they can get to. You know, we always have undercover security, people that no one knows about except me who are near him or near, you know, who's paying attention. They're always paying attention to expressions, movements. Mm. You know, what's the guy? Okay, everybody else is moving and laughing. Why ain't he laughing? Yes. Somebody get near him right now and bump him. See how he responds. You know, did he, when you bumped him, did he get, get nervous? You That's know? why oftentimes when you watch uh, like presidents or I've been, I saw whatever, been around when Obama was here downtown and, you know, packed down, freaking downtown under the arch or just seeing on video presidents walking through and the Secret Service team, their eyes are just going nuts looking at everything, Everybody. every yep. single thing. Man, it's gotta be, 
got to be exhausting. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's the re- the level of redundancy in that kind of security. You know, the the circle on the circle in the circle, and then the inner circle of the client. Yeah, it's just fascinating, man. And uh, yeah, check out that stuff with with Dave Chappelle. And but like you said, you okay, I will. what what are some of the what are some stories that you you have, man, about some of the crazy security or some of the security you've done? Shout out to my boy Sean Wesley. I know you worked with him. Um, yeah, some of the yeah. crazy stuff you, yeah, that's my guy, man. Some of the crazy stories you have, and some of the clients you've been protecting, and some of the stories that you got relating to that. Let me see. Uh, well, I know I've had, you know, I won't say any names because I'm speaking incidents, but I've had incidents where, you know, I, I remember a guy was getting ready to try and actually do an assassination attempt on a client, a rapper. That's where you get all your action. You want action as a bodyguard, bodyguard rappers, especially gangster rappers. You, I'm good. you will get all your action. You'll yeah, get your experience, man. everything you need. But he was pretending like he was at a dumpster taking a leak, and you know the the rapper I was watching tried to go out the door first. I said, no, uh, you don't ever step out first. I go first, and I stepped out and I saw this guy, you know. And so we sit. I had my guy send my rapper the other direction, and when the guy turned around, he was staring down a barrel of some things that he'd expect to be there. So it's, you know, so it's been it's been. Some some pretty wild stuff. I know one of the one of my best security stories. We were watching a whole nightclub, and there were a bunch of rappers, uh, you know, entertainers coming through, and we were inside the venue because we always used that law enforcement handle the parking lot because actually, if you're watching the venue and you're protecting the the uh, clients, your authority only holds inside the venue and with that client. So you're not supposed to be in the parking lot. Ah, uh, okay. All right, so law enforcement's out there, and, uh, I mean, everybody just went crazy in the parking lot. It was a gangster concert, and everybody's out there doing stuff and this and that, and a cop came running in. It was a female cop. She said, oh, my God, we need some help out here. And so I signaled my crew, and, you know, we had a way we moved. And they all, we all got in, like, a big group and just went from, like, like group to group, just pepper spraying and batoning the crap out of these people. You know? <laughs> and it, just, it was hilarious. Because these police officers were overwhelmed. They all just stood back. We told them, of course, she was a female. She was, I said, get back. You got to stand back. We'll handle it from here. You know, and they all stood back and just watched us just seize control of this whole parking lot. But it's because we worked together. Everybody listened to each other. You know, we, we, I would point out, Richard, you, two, you two go there, take them down. You know, batons to the legs. You three, everybody else, Spray. Everybody knew what to do. They hold their breath, duck away, shot, spray 10 people, get them to the ground. They take them to the ground. We just got so controlled. But, you know, it's so funny because, you know, the cop came up and she gave me a big hug and a kiss afterwards. Mm. You know, she said, oh, my God, who trained you guys in this? And I said, well, I did. And she's like, you guys are trained so well, you know. And that's when I kind of saw the question. I said, well, why aren't you guys trained that well? You know. And, <laughs> yeah. then, you know, and of course, a lot of, you know, with police, with law enforcement, a lot of us going to that gun. Which that's why now I'm training a lot of, as a matter of fact, I got uh, police officers I'm training tomorrow. You know, and it's because the chief actually says, I don't want my guys going to that gun immediately, Jermaine. Train them in some hand-to-hand, this and that for me. You know, because I want my guys, I don't want them to kill somebody that shouldn't be killed. But I want them to be able to whoop some butt. I don't want them to get beat up either. You know, and so that's what I'm glad to see that a lot of law enforcement now is finally realizing that. And they're moving to that point. Well, and, and no, one of my was, first conversations, one of my first conversations on this show was with Pat. The first episodes with Pat Miller, and I know you used to train with Pat. And in that yeah. conversation, he talked to me about I don't know because he trains law enforcement, special forces too. Um, but he was saying about a lot of law enforcement, a lot of police departments spend. He said like four to five hours a year, I think it is, on basically body control, learning to control. You know, yes. it, I mean, they don't get much time in. Not, I mean, it's 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 so crazy because. Everything is so close proximity from the time you pull somebody over 
You know what I mean? I, I would think there would be a high premium on that just simply because the interaction with, you know, people you pull over, things that are going on are so close in proximity. I found that really, really weird, man. But, you know, that's well, why there's we... A reason, there's a reason why. You know, but go ahead, Fish. No, go ahead. Go ahead. That was, that was it. Okay. Well, the reason why is because the respect's been lost. And I'll tell you, if you think back this, you always, you always look at time. You think back when we were kids. You know, police officer told you to do something, you did it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, there was no F you cop, anything like that. You know, it even, okay, if, if my mom smacked me and my dad hit me for doing something stupid, and I called the cops, the cops come over and they kick your butt with your parents. They didn't arrest <laughs> your parents. You know True what I'm that. saying? Fact. You listen to your mom and dad. Boy, you understand? You know, so cops back then were more, more in a more respected big brother, you know, stepdad type position. Yes. What has happened is the I think the community has lost the respect towards law enforcement that they should have, but law enforcement didn't get to change. So cops still thought that they could say, get on the ground now, and you would say, okay. You know, but now people, man, F you, you get on the ground, mother. Yeah, They're like, yeah. Well, wait yeah, a minute, yeah. you just, and then it's, what do I do? Right, yeah. You know, so now, and I'm, and I'm seeing a lot, of, a lot of police officers, and I'm going to tell you this, I always like to make this statement. You know my background, so nobody can ever say, you know, Jermaine's a sellout or this and that. I've been arrested many times as a kid. You know, I was an outlaw. I was out there, and that was because I was fighting to save my life. And the violence was the only thing that could help me end up at those moments. But I have never in my life been mistreated by a cop or met a bad cop in my life. And I'm 50 years old. I've had cops pull me over, and I'm in a, a messed up car, no tags, tinted windows. You know, and they're like, what in the hell? Did you? I got to tell this. And I said, man, you know. I'm just, my life is horrible, man. I just, everything I try to do, I say, what'd you say? You know, he's, you know what, get out of here. And, you know, that's putting himself at risk because he can get fired over that. So anyhow, outside of that, law enforcement is moving now more into understanding that and, and learning how to talk to these, these yes. individuals. Well, and I think we've lost the art of, of respect begetting respect. I mean, for, yeah, if, for, exactly for, for, with, with the yin and yang of the universe, if there's good cops, there's got to be some bad cops, right? But I think there has been a huge lost art in respect for law enforcement. And, you know, right. some of that is because some of these, you know, dubious cases, you know, cops giving perjurious testimony that, you know, that blue shield, that, you know, that inner circle or whatever it is. But, I right. mean, I, I definitely think, man, people people are interacting with the cops in a, in a sideways way that lends itself to them getting clapped up in some stuff. And, you know, yeah. it, it's not to say – I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. And I say this – I'm sorry, I'm going to keep cutting you off. No, that's all right. And I, and I say this, you know, to people because people say – I remember when they were going through all the cops and the dirty cops and this and that, and people were like, well, these cops need – I said, man, there's good cops. Out. Well, these good cops need to arrest these bad cops and this. And I said, okay, everybody stop. Stop. I said, let me tell you something, because that's what I'm good at, saying something real. I said, okay, so you love your family, right, and your friends. Yeah, I sure do. Okay, if they're doing something wrong, you going to rat them out? Uh, well, yeah, well, that's the same thing with cops. You can't just expect these cops to just step up. So that, that cop who may have did something wrong yesterday, been doing some things right his whole career, and did something wrong yesterday because he found out his wife was messing around on him or this happened or whatever it is, whatever mm -hmm. the reason. All of us got a good reason for when we do something wrong that everybody else may not agree with. But you expect this cop, he probably saved this cop's life 15, 20 times yeah. in the field. And you expect him to just rat him out? Right. You can't, you can't expect. That's not fair unless you want to go and rat all your family out. Let's go through your family. Who's, who's in a gang? Who sells drugs? Who's in the, who's in the clan? Who's in the, oh, come on. Y'all want to start ratting people? Like, that's what I thought. Who's in the Italian mafia? Who's in the Crips? Who's in the Bloods? Let's start ratting people out. Yeah. Okay. But you can't. They're human beings, man, and that's their crew. True That's that. their family. Yeah. So we yeah. can't just put that on. So we have to, we have to learn to work together, 
and convince them. First of all, you got to convince these police out there. If they gonna rat the guys out, you hate them. You should tell them you hate them too. So now who they got? Besides a, a, a you know, besides what you call it, besides a. Uh, a contract on their head yeah. by the other bad cops. <laughs> well, and there's so many, there's so many elements that go into like an a, a interaction that goes sideways, man. You got, you know, people not treating cats with respect. You got poor training. You got so much stuff that right. goes on that could potentially lend itself to, to a very volatile situation. And before I let you slide, I, I just, it, this is kind of a general question, if you will, because I mean, you're, you're a smart cat and you, you know, you've, you've been around, you've seen a lot of things and I don't necessarily want to get super political with this, but, Throughout history, I mean, people talk about how we're living in such a unique time. I mean, yes and no, but human beings have always done stupid sideways stuff. I, we see a lot of people like to say divide and conquer and, or divide and control via politics. Yeah. And we've seen it over these last few years, which, again, has eroded faith in just institutions, respect for law and order, respect for just law and, and authority in general. How do you see that playing out? It, I mean, as we've seen it been happening. But how do you see it playing out moving forward? Because it seems like it's almost like it's like, like a pharmaceutical company or doctors. There's no money in curing the cancer. They want to treat you because right. there's money in it. There's no there, there's there's one to say there's there's no there's nothing in them. If we're all together as one, it, a lot of these people lose their jobs. So there's often incentivized for this divide and conquer, divide people into groups and then play these groups off against each other, whatever those groups are. I've been I mean, we've been seeing it go on for a long time. What are your thoughts on that, my man? Well, I definitely agree with you. Um, I, I tell people all the time that, you know, separation is control. That's, that's what I say. I say, what do you think is the is the most valuable thing in the world to people? And people say money. You know, no, it's not. You know, oil. You know, gold. You know, you know. And then one of the smartest things I hear people say, land. And I say, yeah, yeah, kind of. I say, no, control. Mm-hmm. Control. There's this mass of people that these people are trying to control either in a good way or a bad way. So, you know, I, I personally think that, you know, like I said, I, I think that, you know, that all of them know each other. I think that all of them are, are working something, and I, I, I'm the type that just don't believe that we even know what it is most of the time. Sure. You know, so we can't ever allow it to affect us every day. It's just like this. When um, I'll give you a good example, and a lot of people probably get mad at me over this. That'd be good. You get some good ratings. You know, when <laughs> coronavirus hit, okay, first thing I think is, okay, who benefits and how? That's what I always look Key at. Bono. 9-11. This and that. Who benefits and how? Who's just going to make look good? Who's going to make money off this? All right. And then that doesn't mean it's not real. Right. But that right. could mean the way it's going to be handled. Mm-hmm. So I start paying attention. I'm watching and things like that. You know, and I see all of this stuff that goes on. But I say to myself, okay, I'm watching the news. And statistics, statistics, statistics. Okay, we all know, okay, but how many people die from cancer? How many people die from car wrecks? How many people die from cigarettes? How many people die from alcohol? I mean, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Okay, if you yeah. want to compare statistics, yeah. you know, but oh, no, but you're not a doctor. You're a scientist. All these people are scientists now, this and that. Everybody got information. You know, okay, <laughs> I'm going to get the true answer. My truth is in my personal research. Hey, hey, bud, this is Jermaine. Hey, friends at the Ozarks, y'all just had this giant party. Anybody have it? But this is, and, and I got my answers back. So I say this to everybody. If everybody would just go with what's real in their life, you can tell me all day, okay, oh, the white man did this, and the, the, the Mexicans are like this, and these people are this, and black people are this and that. You know what I do? I look at the Mexicans, the whites, and the blacks in my life, the cops in my life, and that's how I make my judgment off of what's occurring. True that. True and, that. And if everybody would do that, you can't be fooled. And then, of course, I reach out because I know, that, I know there's brothers out there who've had horrible experiences with police officers. And I also know there's white people 
who've had Harvard and, and Asian people. Without and a doubt. Who can, like, I can bring you Native Americans because when I was at State Club, it was in Wyoming. I can show you some white dudes that got treated 50 billion times worse than I did. I had to stand up for them. Like, what are y'all doing to him? Yeah. Leave this white dude alone. And they were white. You know, and then, and then it, it becomes, and you're so, they're so right. This goes back to the conditioning, the social engineering, man. It, it's very incumbent on us, like you said, to live your own truth and compare situations compared to your to your own life and your own interactions, because it, it, otherwise we have to spend so much time deconstructing these false narratives. Like I said, right. they create these, they, they divide us into these groups and play the groups off against each other, counter to our own intuition. Because like you just said, like whoa, right. this. This, this isn't my my experience, my interaction. And right. I know sometimes that have to do with people's environment and stuff. But again, man, they, they, they're they playing. Oftentimes, man, the architects of our societies, the social engineers are playing us, man. They're creating these yeah. false narratives and getting us to turn against each other via the divide and control and thusly conquer. Because like you said about control, the, the people who run shit, run stuff. Sorry, I don't like to cuss. If you want to cut. But yeah. they, they, have, they have all the money in the world, all the money in the world. Now it's right. about control. And COVID control. was a perfect example of it and so many different things from you know wmds or whatever it's been that we've been told certain lies about you know there's acting like there's a war on misinformation now man we've been lied to so many times by people who were supposed to elect to put in power and all that man so it's just like and again ignorance is oftentimes bliss because we're so social networking keeping up with the kardashians whatever the next i whatever it is that keeps us so distracted while these people yep. run game on us yep and I say this, you know, I say like I love to play lawyer on both sides. I always look at everything from both sides, and that helps provide, provide me with clarity. I say, okay, let's say coronavirus was released, because if you remember, this is what I say, okay, y'all all telling us what to do. You need to wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. You're a horrible person if you don't do this, and you're a horrible person if you do do that. Right. Wait a minute, who created this, and why has he been arrested? That's what I want to know. Who's the person that why is the reason why are we having to deal with this? Why did y'all stop talking about arresting the people in who were behind this? Right. They're supposed to be American scientists behind this, supposed to be these people. Why are you not talking about that? Oh, shut up, Jermaine. You need this. Okay, yeah, I, I got it. You know, so it's you know, just all that kind of stuff, like you say. But I say this. Okay, what if they were looking at the world and they say, you know, everything? And I'm looking at it from Thanos' point of view. I don't think like Thanos. I'm a person who believes in love and live. You know, I think we as human beings, if we're kind to each other and we think together and start to operate together, we care for each other like we want to be cared for. We will we will evolve into a more powerful, greater creature with more range than just this planet. You know all that stuff. So I'm speaking just on the fact of my thinking, where I always allow fair thinking because before I make a judgment, I got to think about both sides and say, well, if they're saying okay, everybody's getting obese. Everybody's doing drugs. Nobody, everybody hates their country. Everybody's, you know, uh, ungrateful for what they have. You know, kids are getting left home alone. People are, you know, adults are blaming the kids. You know, it's just getting horrible out there. Everybody's polluting the atmosphere. All this horrible stuff. Nobody cares how much trash they throw away. Everybody's gimme, 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 gimme. That's what they wake up every morning one. Maybe we need to get rid of some of these fools. Population <laughs> control. You know, maybe we need to get rid of some of these people who don't care about themselves cigarettes you know and i'm not putting people down to smoke cigarettes before before i say before i say this when i point one finger at you i'm pointing three back at myself for sure all right because i got my things i do too i ain't gonna talk i ain't gonna tell y'all <laughs> you know what I'm saying? we all we all do we all have something that we that we we have skeletons in our class so i'm not judging right but i'm just thinking on a, a higher level of these people who can who have this control where they can do what they want to do they don't have to obey the laws they can kill off as many as i want it could be a war a bomb you know, it could be poison. It could be a sickness. 
you know, sugar. I mean, that, I mean, that's the, the, the takeout. I mean, obesity. We are just wearing ourselves out with yeah. a heart attack. Well, you know, it, heart attack, it, it's so- out there. So, what if somebody said, you know, boom, let's clean the world up? See what? Look at what happened when we all stayed in. Well, and I think the you world know, got clean. Animals came out. The atmosphere cleared up when human beings stayed in their damn homes. <laughs> well, and I think through through so, a lot of people's poor choices, they're eliminating themselves it, through through their poor choices. And I think more people are getting educated with health and fitness and wellness and stuff like that. But you have people who who are just nose diving their plane into the ground and just like you said, through bad decisions, bad habits. But on right. on a lore, on more macro standpoint, that grand chessboard, I do believe. The social engineers in the planet is run by eugenicists who do look at us as weeds and vile weeds and just people that right. do need to <laughs> right. be to be eliminated. I remember George Carlin talked about uh, the comedian George Carlin talked about passive eugenics. People are going to sometimes the powers that be don't need to take people out because they're going to take themselves out. And this goes back to what I'm talking about, like this music in the inner city and just the feeding frenzy of killing one another, bad diet choices and just things like that. But like you said, it's right. um we got our work cut out for us, man. And I just, and I just wanted to get your opinion because I, I feel like people say all the time, man, we're living in such a crazy, unique time. I'm, I'm a history guy, and I was recently watching stuff on, like, the Peloponnesian War. Like, we've been doing this forever. You know what I mean? We've yep. been fighting each other forever. It's nothing <laughs> yep. really new under the sun. But it's just interesting, again, how, how – Well, social networks allowed us to know more about Yes. It. It's more publicized. True that. True, And it, and it gives yep. us opportunities to be distracted from – you know, everyone's and I, I'm guilty myself a little bit. The Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, they got that all over everywhere. But they didn't say or publicize hardly anything about Ghislaine Maxwell trafficking children for the elite. We never right. heard. We heard that trial was going on, but we didn't. It didn't get near as much pub. So, you know, everybody's too busy keeping up the Kardashians and bendering on right. the next the latest Netflix show. And so, again, that comes down to we got to start it's making gossip. better informed choices. Yeah, man. Yeah, everybody's keeping up with gossip. But not with not with paying attention with what's going on in the world. Was, I said, really? you know, we, as a fighter, you know, I'm I'm fighting a different fight now, you know, and it's it's, it's a fight like you said, it's a fight for humanity, for for our integrity, you know, for this this planet. I even I put a post up the other day. I said, here's something that ponders my mind every more every day. I say, are we as human beings supposed to be more than just wake up every day and see how much is my bank account? I want more money in my bank account today, you know. Uh, I want to get things for myself, get things for my kids. We're we are the the overseers of this planet. Mm-hmm. The, do all the animals look up to us? Do all the plants look up to us? Does the water look up? Are we the ones who's supposed to be making things better, or are we just supposed to take care of ourselves? Right. And, it, and so, and how great would we be if we all said, "Okay, I'm waking up this morning. It's not just about me. You know, I'm just going to go out there and, like you say, if you focus so much on the negative, you're going to look at this person wrong." You're not going to smile at that person when you should. You're going to snuff, snuff this person, you know, when you should. And they're going to say, flip you off, and then you're going to ram into them, and, you, and it all goes negative. So the, the whole new way of fighting is kindness, respect, yes. responsibility, integrity. That is the new weapon. Golden rule day all day. Form. I made a post the other Golden day. It was so – There you go. That's, what, that's I mean, ultimate rule. Yes, and if we, would, if we would just treat each other well, if we would treat ourselves well and each other well, and it is just that simple. We overcomplicate it. We we overcomplicate it because again we see everybody else as the other, as opposed to right. my fellow human being. And it's just like, yep. and this goes back to that divide and control. But man, I could talk to you forever, brother. I know you you're yeah, a busy man. That's what I have to do another. So I'm gonna say I like to end it with this. Mother Teresa said it right. She said, "Go home, take care of your family." You there know? you go. Take care of one. That's where it starts. If you take care of one, it's it's it's, it's uh, what's it? Not not addictive. What's what I'm looking for? It's um. 
where you can catch something from somebody. Contagious. It's contagious. Well, love and kindness is contagious. And and that's why, dude, that's why I got so much love for you, brother. It really comes down to each one, teach one, and your philosophy, your way of going about life. It Again, we overcomplicate it, but it is so very, very simple. Brother, man, I thank you so much, man. Give a shout out to any uh, any social networking, anything you want to throw out there so people can follow you, track you down, see what you're up to. Oh, definitely just JermaineAndre.com, you know, J-E-R-M-A-I-N-E, last name Andre, A-N-D-R-E.com. That's probably the best place to go. And then JAMA.pro, that's my school, J-A-M-M-A dot pro. So you can, you can go on there. You can uh, get training from me. You know, get, I'm getting ready to start making some videos, things like that. I got a new self-defense tool that I'm not telling you about right now that just came out. Until we're going to be launching it in June, and we, you and I are definitely talking about that because you know, this whole self-defense idea is, is something that people really need to start understanding and understanding what self-defense is and not just about shooting somebody and hurting people. Right. You know, self-defense is sometimes about not hurting people so you don't have to deal with it later, you know, people. So anyway, we'll talk about that on another show. Without <laughs> a doubt, again. man. I truly, I, again, I thank you for your time. It took a minute to logistically get everything together. I know you're busy. I work all the dang time, so I'm glad we made it happen. It's so good to catch up with you, my friend. Yeah, great talking to you, Jeff. Absolutely. Jermaine Andre, ladies and gentlemen, peace and so much love, respect. All right, thank you, listeners, for everybody for listening. Absolutely. Take care, guys.